So happy to have you with us this week for my chat with Hollis Citron. She is an advocate of creativity. Her website is I Am Creative. She's got a terrific podcast called Creative Conversations with Hollis. And so you can just imagine how much conversation we're going to be able to have this old theater shop girl and Hollis with her experience in teaching and coaching and helping people tap into their creativity. Sit back, enjoy the chat. We're so glad you're here with us. Hey there, friends. Are you looking for tools to resolve stress, reliable information to support your whole health, tips to help you motivate yourself and identify when motivation is fading before it happens, implementation, accountability, and someone to remind you to celebrate even the small successes where you could find tools you can use and accountability in a community that cheers you on, where information about health trends and lifestyle is reliable and straightforward. I know that you have what it takes to up-level your health habits and restore your resilience. You just might need a boost to start building momentum. I've designed a membership where you can choose the level of support you'd like to get every month. Whether it's tuning in to connect with like-minded change makers or getting personalized support with one-on-one coaching to help you chart your path to success. Check out the link for the Velocity membership at happifiedlife.com. Special pre-launch pricing is now available for premium support, but you can jump in for free if you just want to test the waters. I look forward to seeing you inside. Living in a stressful world doesn't mean you have to give up on happiness. Instead, you can shift your perspective of stress and discover how to live your life in flow. Welcome to Happified. I'm your host, Susie Vine. Join me for inspiration and interviews with folks who are shining their light in the world in the areas of positive mindset, health, and wellness. I'm so happy to have you here. Welcome back, everybody. I am so happy today to be here with you and introduce you to my friend Hollis. Hollis Citrone is on a mission to make creativity accessible to everyone. She's a seasoned art teacher and founder of I Am Creative. She's a passionate and wants to shout from the rooftops that being creative is not just about drawing and painting. So, We're going to look outside the lines today. Creativity is within everyone. Hollis has been spreading this message from West to the East Coast in all the various places that she's lived with her family. There are so many ways to benefit from her services, ranging from workshops, creative boxes and experiences, and coaching to offer opportunities to anyone who wants to explore their potential, express themselves, and expand their thinking. And we'll get into all the places you can find Hollis, including her own podcast before we wrap this up today. So first, let's welcome you. Thank you for so much for joining me. Thank you, Susie. I really appreciate being here. I'm so excited. Absolutely. Well, and we're doing a bit of a podcast swap too. So that's a lot of fun. I'm excited to talk about creativity when we dig into that, because Although I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts, I sometimes feel a little frustrated in my creativity. So I love bringing this conversation to the show because I know that I'm not alone in this feeling. Yeah, I appreciate that. And it's 
all about expanding the definition because everybody can fall into it. It's we're all under the umbrella. We kind of put ourselves in boxes and yeah, don't see ourselves within the definition. So how did you come to be teaching or working as an artist? Did you know from go that that's what you loved doing? Good question. So I wasn't one of these kids that was like, yes, I know what I want to be. And yes, I'm the quote unquote class artist. And I wasn't that. I kind of flew under the radar and I didn't exactly know, but I knew that I was out of the box. I always knew that I kind of had a different way of thinking and it just a different way of being. So when it came time to pick, decide where I wanted to go to college, which I didn't even know if I wanted to go, but I did. I was like, I'll try art school. And my guidance counselor said, well, you're not going to get in anywhere. I was like, oh, you're good at what you do. Yes. So way to pump me up. <laughs> so anyway, I was like, forget you. And I applied and I got in. I ended up majoring in ceramics of all things, but I didn't know what I wanted to do. And it ended up, it's just a very interesting journey in how things work out. So to answer your question about the teaching, I grew up within a household where my mom was a teacher. She taught inner city for 33 years. And I was just always used to that atmosphere, but I never thought I'd be a teacher. I was really shy. I was really, I just didn't think I'd be in that. But I somehow got offered an opportunity to teach. And I was like, I don't know, I guess I'll try it. And I ended up kind of liking it. And then I got an opportunity to teach adults because I got a residency someplace. And I was like, I can't teach adults. Why would they listen to me? I'm just a kid. But I ended up realizing that I liked it. And I don't know, I just, it kind of just kept happening. And this is kind of what kept presenting itself. And I just learned so, so much about myself in the process and so much about just always my mission. I've been teaching for about 30 years and my whole mission has really been the whole time that you are creative because people would always say, I can't draw. I can't draw. That's usually what it'd be. Not I can't paint, but I can't draw. I'd say, well, neither can I. Just because I went to art school doesn't mean I can do that. So I realized that was just the continuous thread throughout every place I've been. And I've taught many, many different settings with all different kinds of ages. And yeah, it led me to where I am now. And I'm really grateful for it. I love that. And that one conversation with that guidance counselor, it's so funny how these things stand out. And sometimes we just have to prove someone wrong. And if they hadn't said, oh, you'll never get into art school, maybe you wouldn't have been inspired to apply to maybe a couple more schools and see how that all works out. And it's so funny how these inadvertent exchanges that they probably don't even remember (laughs) isn't it? Well, it's true. And then you realize that whole thing of being, having that title of a teacher or being a parent or whatever role that you have in being this authoritarian in some way, the words that you say, you don't always realize the impact. There are teachers, I will say, and parents or whatever you want to say that are not kind with their words. And they know that they're not being kind with their words. There are others that kind of might be being sarcastic or a little snide and didn't even think about it in the moment. And don't realize the impact that it has on you and what you take from that. But I also thinking about a situation really quickly, freshman year in college, I had it in a drawing class and this teacher would always draw on your work. And I never thought I was great at what I did, but it really irked me. I was just kind of like, I'm not learning by you doing that. So I was so nervous. I worked up the guts and I said, could you please not draw on my paper? And she looked at me and she said, well, I don't think you're good enough to do it on your own. And 
I was shaking. I was purple. I'm 19 years old standing up to this, you know, authoritarian. And I said, well, I didn't ask you if I was good enough. I just asked you not to draw my paper. And what I took from that was, I didn't know I'd be a teacher, but in that role, I never touch anybody's paper ever without, if I do, asking permission first. So I always have another piece of paper and I sketch something out and then I had them do it. And in the very few times that I have touched anybody's, I say, is it okay if I do that? So there's that takeaway, like you said, of those lessons that you learn. If she never said that to me, then, you know, maybe I wouldn't have thought of that before. It's so interesting. And yeah, that, that idea of the model of teaching, if it's to inspire recognition or realizations in the students, or if it's to impart your great wisdom and bless them with your knowledge, you know, completely different approaches. And perhaps that approach B would work for some people, but I really find the most power comes from those relationships where you ask the right questions or you lead people to have these aha moments on their own, because that powerful discovery is magic. It is. And it feels so freaking good. Like it just feels so good. And I really have found that there's so much power in also saying that you don't know. So when you're supposedly in this role and the other person is looking towards you and you're like, you know what, that is a great, that is such a great question. Or that is so cool that you're interested in that. Let's, let's explore it. That's because I'm not familiar with it. And what I found is that's like, can be even more exciting because you're in it together. It's not like somebody's, there's not a hierarchy and it's genuine. People really appreciate, I found authenticity. Yes. When you're faking it and when you're like, oh yeah, I know about that. And you really don't have a clue about it. And you're like sweating bullets all the time because you're like, I have to act like I really know what I'm talking about. And then I I lie about it. And then I have to cover my steps. Like that is just too much work. It is so much to have to remember all that stuff. So I've really found that people really do appreciate the that authenticity. Yes, absolutely. And, and it gives them permission, right? They don't have to pretend either. They can right. be authentic and vulnerable if that might be the case. And it creates a safe space. It's like that kind of safe container because, and you know this, in order for people to open up to you, in order for people to try new things or admit that they don't know how to do something or even be excited about something in an area of something that they're not so familiar with, or even if they are familiar with it, but they haven't done it in a while, there's still this vulnerability and they have to feel like you're not going to judge them or whether it's just you or whether within a group, safety, I, I found is just a really big component to it. Yes. Yeah. When you're taking chances, the last thing you need is to be worried someone else is going to snap back and be rushing in to tell you everything you're doing wrong, right? We have to find these ways, but in the rest of our lives too, to be okay with failure, right? So if we're afraid of somebody jumping right on top of us, we're never going to take the chances that give us that opportunity to grow. Oh my gosh. I couldn't agree more with that. That is just such a powerful statement. And yeah, like, are you going to mess up? Yeah. You're going to screw up. Yeah. <laughs> yes, you're going to screw up. And I honestly, it's taken me a while to be more comfortable with that, with just the messing up. For me, I also, I was bringing back to, this is kind of a, a little bit of going a little backwards, but, you know, always really shy when I was younger. And my face would turn red and not just red, it would turn purple, which made me avoid a lot of situations. So speaking about stress and all that kind of stuff, it was incredibly stressful. 
So I would take myself out of lots of situations because I didn't want to be judged. But now as an adult, I'm being more comfortable with myself and learning how to step into it more. When it happens, I'm just kind of like, yeah, like I'm not dying. It just happens. So sometimes I can blame it on menopause now too. But <laughs> so there, there's always a reason. <laughs> but it's kind of having that different approach because it can be either debilitating mm-hmm. or it can give you the energy to keep moving forward. Yes. Now you're talking my language. Absolutely. We've got two choices in just about any situation. You know, if it doesn't go according to plan, we can let it make us stuck or we can be like, yes, and now what? Where do we go from here? Right? I love the yes, and instead of the yes, but. (laughs) Because somebody pointed that out to me again recently. And it's true. I mean, I guess I knew that, but very clearly hearing that because what usually follows that after you say, but. It's an excuse of not being able to do something. It's all the reasons why you can't instead of all the reasons why you can. Yes. And then you're just opening the gates for that inner critic, that gremlin, however you identify that voice that's holding you in check, that's keeping you playing it safe and all of that, right? Yeah. The butt opens the door for that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Because it's nice thing in that little container that even though it might feel kind of miserable, you at least are familiar with that feeling. So familiarity is like, okay, I can relate to that. Not being familiar and messing up and not knowing what to expect and really being excited about something, but I don't know if it's going to work out. That's really unfamiliar territory. That permission to explore, to make mistakes. I think that's why it's so heartbreaking that art curriculum is being taken out of schools because everything else is so rigid. The math is right or wrong. The English grammar structure is right or wrong. But in art, although I hear stories of, well, the assignment is X and they didn't do Y and therefore they don't pass. Okay. (laughs) But having that music, art education, that creative lab and play is so fundamental because in other situations, it is really easy to say, I succeeded or I failed. Yeah. There was this in the beginning of the pandemic, there was some, a fellow art teacher shared this amazing letter written by a second grade teacher. And the gist of it was basically an apology letter to all specialists and all specialty teachers and saying, I apologize. I am so sorry. I didn't give you enough credit during this whole time. I'm sorry that I didn't really appreciate my kids really being in your class. She said, because in the midst of all of this, what do we turn to? We turn to meditation, to mindfulness, to being expressive, whether it's through the visual arts, movement, yoga, through dance, through music, through cooking, through writing, journaling, all of these things, they're key. She's like, you're really the most important teachers in the whole school. And in reading it, I was like, oh my gosh, that is so freaking powerful because it just should be an even playing ground. I mean, all these other things have importance, but yeah, these things, it's true. In the midst of all of this, we turn to these things in order to be able to survive and give ourselves peace of mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the really the magic too. You know, the attention with STEM, with science, technology, engineering, math, I think. But with the STEAM programming, when you bring the arts in and it really synergizes all of the rest of it. Yeah. It's like the magic, the pixie dust. It's, I love that. It's the pixie dust. (laughs) That is so great. (laughs) Couldn't agree more. 
So now as you're working with clients, you're doing more from a coaching aspect. Are you still leading classes or what does your work look like now? So now there's kind of like a bunch of different arms. So I started I Am Creative. I left the classroom about a year and a half ago. So right before the pandemic, I just had this feeling where I was like in my 50s and I was just like, I got to (laughs) expand. I got to get out there. And I still want to work with kids, but I really want to work with adults because I feel like we get stuck in adulting and we get stuck in life and we neglect ourselves and it leads to so much unhappiness. So I really wanted to get to this group of people. So what that looks like now is it looks like a few different things. I started a publishing company and within the publishing company, it's kind of a a offshoot of my podcast where I talk to people because the mission of I Am Creative is all about expanding the definition of creativity beyond a pencil and a paintbrush and empowering adults to own their talents, to own their voice. So by having these discussions with people who do all different kinds of things, I speak to visual artists, I speak to biologists, I spoke 13-year-old entrepreneur, doctors, lawyers, all these different people to hear their perspective on how they define creativity. So through this, I was like, oh my gosh, I had a chance to be in a multi-author book. And it was an amazing opportunity for me to tell my story, which I never thought I was really going to do. And then I connected and collaborated with these incredible people. So I decided to do that with an I Am Creative. So there's that arm of it where I have co-authors come in and my first book is called Creativity Is Whatever You Want It To Be. So I have people contributing to that. I also create experiential kits and I teach. So I work with social service organizations and bring it to their clientele and customize for them. And then another arm of it is, which I'm bringing in is coaching and I call it your creative shui. Creative shui. <laughs> so it's like feng shui for the house, but this is your creative shui for your being. So there's seven elements. And when you have these seven elements and they create a balance and they're in the right positioning, then the center of it is joy and happiness. I love it. I'd love to know more about this. I'm really excited because I love feng shui and and paying attention to the energy. We don't really recognize perhaps, but as soon as we start paying attention to some of the basic concepts of feng shui, you just realize it just feels better in a space, right? You can't quite put your finger on it, but there's just flow. So I think this is beautiful. I love this idea because we do feel stuck creatively. So how do we open up that flow? It's really by realizing and expressing. It's like express, explore, expand is like my tagline and what I say. But it's so much of that, all of those components, giving yourself permission, finding the balance, these key components all of this energy, like you said, that gets stuck within us and our mindset. And there's so much of the, I can't, I can't, but, but I'm taking care of the kids, but I have to, like, I have a full-time job and I'm really tired, but you know, my husband and I do this and I don't have time to actually do this for myself, like all of these kind of things. So because of that, there isn't flow, but when you get this awareness of these areas and you're actually expressing it and you're exploring different things and you're expanding your thinking and you're giving yourself permission and you're finding that balance when you're taking like little bits or maybe whole bits, maybe certain areas need more of a pull than other areas. Then what you find in the middle is joy and happiness. 
It's like, because what do we really want to be in the end? I mean, it sounds like all hippy dippy crunchy, but we just want to be happy. Like we just want to feel love and we just want to feel happiness. And that can look differently for different people. And it doesn't mean I'm not telling people to go out and like quit their jobs. It's not like everybody go out and quit your job and just do, but it's giving yourself that time within your day, within your week to be able to dedicate to yourself, to make yourself feel more full. So if you see yourself as a container to fill yourself up instead of depleting yourself. Yes, because you can't pour from an empty cup and we don't just say it because it's a pat line. It's because it's true. (laughs) I mean, because I mean, how many times can you relate to that? I mean, right, right, right. Because it's so easy when life comes up, when other people's crises become our own and we put our priorities down the list because this is within our control. Okay, so I'll come back to me. I'll take care of your crisis, especially if you have family or kids or parents that need your support. You're like, I'll get back to me. I'll get back to me. I don't know when that's going to be. And like you're saying too, I really appreciate your point. You're not telling anybody to quit their job. And I think that's part of the bad rap that, you know, personal development or growth gets because everyone seems to be on this train. You have to find your mission, uncover your why and devote your whole life to it. Sometimes, I mean, we need the people who have a nine to five job. Not every job in this world fulfills someone's mission. But if you make the space for creativity, for play, for the things that restore you in the evenings and the weekends then hallelujah, we've got the people who are putting in the work nine to five to keep everything running. We really figured that out in the last year, right? We need those people who can clock in and clock out and find other ways to be fulfilled. And if they're not fulfilled, that's where the breakdowns happen. That's where, from my point of view, the stress builds into disease and everything else, right? So absolutely, permission to put happiness higher on the list, I think is so important. There are people that they like the structure. They want the structure. They don't want to have to start their own company. They don't want to start like, they don't want all that. They just want to be able to go to their job, not have to bring it home, have the people that they care about around them and do the things they like. And that's amazing. Like people should choose to live the way they want to live. But just like you're saying, it's it's like when you deny yourself and I see that so much and I've done it too. I mean, constantly putting other people first, not being fully expressive myself, because I find myself also to be a very empathic person. So in that, it's also learning how to create the boundary. So especially when I was working and I predominantly work inner city, there'd be a lot of like just wanting to like fix everything and wanting to just bring home a lot, a lot of energy. And a lot of times my kids, you know, as they were getting older, at some points, it's a light bulb moment when your kids say to you, are you mad at me? Or are you mad because you just had a bad day? Or you've been having lots of bad days? Like, who are you yelling at? And I was just like, oh my God, like, I don't want to be this person. And I'm not actually journaling. And I'm not doing collage, which is what I enjoy. And I'm not dancing around the room. I'm not like having dance parties in the kitchen because I'm feeling too overwhelmed with life. But now I can say, it's not that things don't get stressful. Things do. But I'm finding so much more of a balance and I can be present more often and just laugh and truly be laughing, not like, like a fake laugh, but like truly be laughing. Yeah. Like a belly laugh. Right. Yeah. Which adds the years to our lives. (laughs) 
<laughs> it's like those little moments that are, that are huge moments. And I've really realized that over the last year and a half, two years. Yes. And I think that's a powerful reflection, especially when it comes from the kids and bless them for having that perspective. I was having a conversation recently. I'm like trying to remember if it was a podcast or a live, (laughs) but I feel like every generation, we look at the way we've been parented and we say, we're not going to do it that way. Right? Like with every generation, we are healing things that our parents or their parents worked through. And I think that our kids have a vocabulary about emotions and respect that it just wasn't, it wasn't in our vocabulary, right? And I really see a big shift in their ability to have that perspective, even from a really young age. And so I think that's so empowering for them, especially when it gets reflected back on us. And you're like, that's right. This has nothing to do with you. I think I need to take a time out. <laughs> it's also allowing them the space to really have that, which, yeah, I mean, people can handle it in different ways. But yeah, I mean, at some point, admittedly, I was like, what are you talking about? Then I'm like, oh my God, okay. My son once said to me, he's like, did you ever think that it has absolutely nothing to do with you? (laughs) Because he did something that was not a great choice of whatever it was. And I was just like, how? Why? Like, you came from us. Like, how could you? And that's when he said that. Did you ever think it had nothing to do with you? I'm like, no. It has everything to do with us. <laughs> You're a complete reflection. Like we be, but really it's, he's like, I'm my own person. I'm not a baby anymore. I mean, he's 21 now. He said it when he was like 18. He's like, and just being able to have that perspective actually is, is really, yeah, it really is a gift. Yeah. I love that. And I do think it's really beautiful to see younger generations having the vocabulary and the presence to speak up for their needs. And we can learn from that too, because we've definitely taken on the model of giving and giving and giving. If I have it within my ability, I will give it. We always say, we love this in the personal development realm to say, you have to put your oxygen mask on first. (laughs) And somebody finished that story recently. They went on to say in the tests and the trials and the simulations, the mothers don't listen. They always put the oxygen mask on the kids. Doesn't matter that you hear it at the beginning of every flight. I'm like, yeah, we do this reflexive. And that's what's really helpful about art finding ways to express yourself creatively is it brings you out of that reflexive response and it broadens your perspective. It just lets you see more opportunities. Exactly. And I have to say like one of the times on my podcast, when I was talking to, he was a biologist and he was in the beginning, he's like, Hollis, I have no idea why you brought me onto the show. Like (laughs) why, like why? And I said, because it's all about hearing different perspectives on answering these questions. How do you define creativity? How do you incorporate it into your life? And why is it important? And I was like, so why do you even like biology? Because he's a teacher as well. I'm like, but what do you like about it? He's like, I just think it's sexy when you look in a microscope and when you see the organisms and you see their shapes and their colors and what they actually do and where they come from. I'm like, you see? I'm like, that lights you up. Like that's something like his whole voice just changed because he owned it because that's part of him. So I think that's really what it is. It's like, whether it's doing math, science, public speaking, business skills, having really good interpersonal skills, 
the visual arts, music, like whatever it is. I mean, to me, it's like kind of opening up that field to be able to realize what you're good at and realize that's your voice. And like when you own that, it's like, doesn't it feel like a weight's lifted off of you? Right. I was having a conversation with a friend. It's probably going on about a year now, but it was, you know, after things had shifted and I used to work in theater. So I still have a lot of friends who do, and he's a lighting designer. And even in the creative arts, there's a lot who feel stuck. (laughs) And he said that the way that he was dealing with stress or, or he want the perspective he wanted to take on was to make the shift from being productive. You know, a good day is when you're very productive to a good day is when you have creation, you've created something. And that's all creativity is, is the act of creating something to your point. If that's math, if that's science, if that's cooking, or if it's something we traditionally classify as creative, it's about focusing less on production, turning something out, meeting a quota and creating, like letting that channel be open. It's so powerful. There's a different feeling with it. There's a different emotion attached to it. It's like one of the official definitions of creativity is the formation of an idea or an object. So it's just like you said, it's like we're doing this all the time. So even within the artistic fields of lighting and theater and everything, there's the idea of what should be done and how it should be done. And there's this director's vision and you need to fill the vision. And if it doesn't happen that way, then it's not the right way instead of opening. And there are certain times where, yeah, that needs to be like, there's a certain structure and it's not everything is just like free to be you and me of like, woo, whatever. But there is that process and that openness is where people can really bloom in that. But then there are the people just in thinking about it just came to me. They're the people that really bloom in needing that structure and saying, I need you to do this. This is what it's going to, but it's kind of like taking, they don't know how it's going to be done yet but I need this from you within this period of time. And there are people there that will just be like, I'm on it. Like that gets me all revved up and I can get all these ideas going and I can play with ideas and figure it out. And where there's other people that are just like, that doesn't work for me. (laughs) Like that's, (laughs) I need to have a little bit more process and a little bit more openness and not have it. So, you know, people are different. Yeah, so true. And I think that's a really great point too. Sometimes a little bit of a framework, that's where the creative spark happens for some people. Like, oh, okay, okay. It's not a blank canvas, but now creative problem solving, that's my jam. I can get what you're looking for. Exactly. A few years ago, my husband and I were taking a walk down the street in Philadelphia and I saw like one of these like party bike things, like they're, and they're singing and they're drinking and they're all pedaling. And I'm like, there's something I can create where people are doing something and it's like an event and I can't say what it is yet because I have the idea and I haven't brought it to fruition yet. But yet within an hour, we were like brainstorming things and I had the basic framework from it. So it started from seeing that and I'm like, what can I take from that and turn it into something completely different? And yeah, it just took that little thing. I love that. I think that's a great exercise that anybody can indulge in Yeah, to look at something and decide to take that as a spark to that you can take to a new level. Exactly. Exactly. It's easy. It's within anything. So are there points at which you tend to see that people have become critical of themselves or taken on the criticism of others? And that's 
impacting their creativity? Do you feel like it starts at childhood or do you feel like it pops up at different times for everybody? I think it can kind of present in different ways. I think, you know, they always say it always starts when we're kids. I guess as I've gotten to know myself more, I've realized that more things kind of, not because of anybody else's fault per se, but because of ways that I saw things and I took them in, that it kind of affected patterns in my life. And it started pretty young. Some people might have a pretty free-flowing childhood, but then maybe had something happen when as they got in their 20s. And maybe somebody was like, what are you doing? Like, what do you think this is? Why would you be taking be doing that way? And for some reason, they might have taken that to heart and taken it in and changed a certain way about them. I think it can really kind of affect people in different ways. And like I said before, words are pretty powerful. And some people, even though they may not have the intention behind them, it sinks in, like we said, and where other people's really do. So I think it's, I don't know, I think it's just different. I don't think it's just a one size fits all kind of thing. There was one place where I worked and this was so horrible. It was an inclusion class and it was in a, in a rough part of Brooklyn and it was kindergarten. And I went in once a week for a certain amount of time and through this other organization that I worked, which was incredible. And so that we had an introduction, hands-on time, and then a closure and the kids got to share out their work. And this one kid who was a selective mute, he never spoke during class. He actually wanted to share and he raised his hand to share. And one of the teachers, I bring it up because one of the teachers was a screamer and he screamed at him. And I stood there like here. I, I was in my 20s. It wasn't my classroom, all this kind of stuff. But he yelled at the kid and he said, you want to talk? You never want to talk. Fine. Go ahead. Talk. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, how do I handle the situation? And I just like was kind of thinking really quickly. This poor little kid, he's like five or six years old. His body language completely turned in. And of course, he never talked. So I kind of moved on and I said, who wants to tell? I don't even remember his name. It's been like 25 years since I've seen this kid. And I think about him often, hoping that he's okay, because I know he had a rough go of it. I hope that he had some kind of support. I hope he's still alive. I hope that like just so many elements of his life, I just hope that he's okay. But I went over to him and, and I held up his work, I said, who would like to tell him, you know, something that they like. And then we we're cleaning up and I bent down and I said to him, what did you want to say, sweetie? And he said, I like the color blue. He whispered in my ear, I like the color blue. And it like brings tears to my eyes still. And I think, you know what? That's why my company exists. That's why my company exists because I do not want anybody feeling like they can't express themselves in whatever point that they are in their life, but especially speaking that way to a child. And if you get all this way to being adulthood and then I get to meet you, (laughs) then it's just my mission to kind of like clear that debris away. Mm, That's such a powerful story. That's so powerful. I know, right? And then I love your analogy of of clearing the debris away because it's not a matter of whatever that was that landed with us and made us think we were flawed or broken or insufficient, right? It's just debris. It doesn't go roots deep. It's just some things we can get out of our way and we can carry it for a really long time. It doesn't feel like it's less than a pretty big chip or crack or flaw, right? But with the right perspective, 
recognizing, giving ourselves grace, we can be like, oh, all of that was really nothing. But nothing but everything. Yeah, it feels like a lot more than. <laughs> because that situation, that particular situation, it wasn't about the kid. It was about the teacher. It was about what was going on in his life and why he took it out on him. Probably not because he didn't like the kid or anything like that. It's probably because he was miserable and whatever situation was going on with him. So it's like so much of that. It's like when we take that in and then as adults, when we're working with that boss, who's just like a curmudgeon and is always so judgmental. And, you know, there's certain times where you have to cut it and you're like, I can't have this in my life. Like this just isn't working. Mm -hmm. But I mean, whatever that looks like, I mean, it's so often is it's coming from another place than we think. It's not always about us. Yeah, so true. Perspective is powerful. It can be difficult to get, but once you have that perspective, it's so empowering to be like, oh, that wasn't about me. That was them. I might even feel sad for them. <laughs> maybe not today, maybe another day, but mm. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I don't know if you've seen like a movie reference, the newer version of Cinderella. I haven't seen the newer one. Yet. I don't know if you've seen the most recent one. But I mean, in the end, like she's so hard. At one point, Cinderella says to, I forget who, you know, plays the evil stepmother. She's like, why are you like this? And she said, why? She said, well, I've tried. Why are you so mean to me? And she said, because you're innocent and you're kind and not everything is that way. And anyway, in the end, of course, when she gets the prince, she turns to her as evil stepmothers walking down the steps. And she said, I forgive you. And it drops her to her knees because it isn't easy to forgive. It's not easy. And the mindset stuff, it can be work. I hate to always use that. I mean, it's not easy. It's not, but it really, but once you get into it and start to, then it starts to become just natural. Mm -hmm. It feels so much better. You feel so much lighter because yes. of it. Yeah, absolutely. It's nice to put that, that load down at a point. Yeah. yeah. Worth the activation effort <laughs> of doing yes. some of that, that work. Yeah. It releases the stress. Mm -hmm. I wanted to ask you too, we could go on, I'm sure. But let me ask you, since, since you gave us that nice little segue to stress, is there a little activity or something that you like to do to defuse stress? A little bit of play. I have to say, I mean, it really, for me, boils down to breathing. It really does. It just is like, stop, breathe in, like literally three breaths in and out, in through the nose, out through the mouth, and just kind of like... It deflates whatever's going on. And I feel like I can have a clearer perspective on things. So yeah, that's honestly something that I would suggest that Come I do for me. Come back to the breath. Because it's, you know, it's our center, you know, if you're thinking about the chakras and all that kind of stuff. So if you think about the belly and it being like that sacral point where that whole energy air activation area is of creativity and, and formation and ideas, it's coming back to that space and just expand contract, expand, contract, and then be clear. Mm, mm, I love that. I love how you brought that back around because that's not an association that I've made. You know, you, you, we kind of compartmentalize things. Yeah. The sacral chakra, the root of creativity, you know, the voice is ex the throat is expression, but the sacral chakra has so much to do with that housing, the creativity and tying that back into the breath because we get so constricted in our breath. And we don't even realize that we're really shutting ourselves off. So, wow, what a great way to 
bring some energy back into that super quick reset. Thank you. But I mean, don't you find, I mean, like when we're getting into those stressful situations and we're contracting, we're not really breathing. Yeah. So true. Even reading email. Have you ever heard that? Yeah. Reading email. They found that we restrict our breathing. Hmm. I haven't heard that. I can relate to that, but yeah. (laughs) But then even like, think about, I had someone that I had to deal with that would send texts or emails in all capitals. Why are you screaming at me? (laughs) Exactly. So now that's how we define it. Like nowadays, but it's kind of like, yeah, there was no breathing going on there. There was a lot of constriction. I'm like, why are you yelling at me? Which caused a whole bunch of other emotions. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, that totally resonated. (laughs) I love that. Oh, this has been so delicious. Thank you, Hollis. I'm so excited too. I love your concept of the creative shui and invite people to connect with you and learn how they can free this up, explore these experiential kits. They sound so juicy. So I love what you're creating and sharing with the world. I'm so glad that we're connected. Oh, thank you. I am too. And thank you for all that you're putting out into the world. Just connecting so many. I mean, you're such an important topic and just bringing people together. So thank you for that. And I get to have fun doing it. I just win, win, win. (laughs) Everybody's invited. (laughs) Such a good thing. But it's true. When you enjoy what you're doing, it's not work. Right. Sounds cheesy, but it's true. I mean, it isn't work. That's the reward for taking those those big, bold steps, right? Yeah. (laughs) Thank you so much. It's always a treat. I look forward to connecting with you again soon. Thank you. Me too. Thank you for tuning in today. Check out the show notes for any links we mentioned. To learn more about living life with less stress and more flow, visit happifiedlife.com. And if you found value in today's episode, make sure you subscribe to catch the next one and leave a review to help fellow pod surfers find Happified. Until next time, keep on shining.